This is 100 Days of Dante, a podcast journey through Dante's divine comedy, one canto at a time. Join us online at 100daysofdante.com. Let's read together. During an undergraduate course on Italian literature with Professoressa Michela Mantante, I had the opportunity to see the Italian actor and director Roberto Benini recite the final canto of Paradiso as part of the Chicago Humanities Festival. And during that recitation, he discussed how essential Dante was to life in Italy, that people could hear parts of the comedy and be able to recite lines from memory. He believed that it was a text that remains vital to contemporary life because of its ability to speak to the poles of human life, the sacred and the profane, the erotic and the religious. Taking this idea, I think that as readers, we can be engaged by the physicality and emotions of the narrative, and we're able to think through the weighty concerns of spiritual truths. It is a layered poem that offers opportunities to explore a whole range of concerns. As we journey through La Commedia, we are not simply traveling through a constructed poem of 100 cantos filled with terza rima. We are also traveling through a poem constructed around disparate landscapes of hell and the city of Dis, purgatory and its mountain, and heaven with its empyrean. As he constructs his poem, Dante builds a poem of determinate size with formal properties such as an interconnecting rhyme scheme, but he also constructs the poem around a series of values. Those values can be articulated through the very spaces and places of the poem, from fiery pit to the enfoldings of a rose. These places speak to the values of Dante the poet and the pilgrim. Building, according to the scholar of space and place Ifu Tuan, establishes a bulwark in the midst of a primeval disorder. The act of building, in essence, attempts to establish order in an entropic setting. And as the poem begins, Dante the pilgrim is an individual in the midst of great chaos, finding himself lost upon the road of middle life in that dark wood. And for Dante the poet, he too finds himself removed from his beloved home of Florence. Both the poet and the pilgrim long for order to be removed from chaos. And so what we're able to see in this poem is a highly ordered construction that allows for places for punishing, repenting, and glorifying that could provide solace in this time of chaos and loss. We have journeyed through that place of punishment and its various circles of torture, and we are approaching in Canto 33 of L'Inferno, a frozen lake with intertwined centers, moving beyond the fires that we would typically associate with hell. It is a place that entraps its victims, providing a fixed location and a clear sense of the wrongs. Dante has firmly fixed the centers in a location that can articulate the value he needs, order. Their actions in life led to disorder, and their being stuck in ice provides order. As the canto begins, there are two individuals trapped in ice together, Count Ugolino and Archbishop Ruggieri. They are both sinners, deserving of a place in hell for Dante, and yet Dante seems to give more weight to one experience than the other. Ugolino, while in control of Pisa, refused to allow for the return of captured citizens who might have diminished his own power. He is then someone who betrayed his own country. It is, however, Ruggieri's crime that the text presents as more horrid, the deaths of four innocents. First, we should note that Ruggieri is silent throughout the text, and so Dante effectively privileges the suffering in Ugolino's story by allowing the pilgrim, and in turn the audience, to be moved by the suffering, not of Ugolino, but of the innocents caught between political forces, Ugolino's own children who are kept with him in a locked tower without any food or aid. When we had come as far as the fourth day, my gado threw himself on the ground before me, crying, O oh, Father, why won't you help me? There he died, 
And even as you see me now, I watch the other three die one by one on the fifth day and the sixth. And I began already blind to grope over their bodies and for two days called to them, though they were dead. Then fasting had more power than grief. Dante responds with sympathy, noting that Pisa should not have put Ugolino's children to such torture. Their tender years, you modern Thebes, made them innocent. But more importantly, Ruggieri is not simply silent throughout. He is then subjected to Ugolino's gnawing. He seized that wretched skull again between his teeth and clinched them on the bone, just like a dog. These two being trapped together connects the two parts of the crime, betrayal, but allows for some order to be reestablished in allowing the children's suffering to be of the foremost importance between the two. It allows, furthermore, that the children are granted the order of justice when they were denied that on earth. This is a place that allows us to see one pole of existence clearly, suffering, betrayal, and implications of cannibalism. It is also a place that presents a theological problem. Later in the canto, Dante discourses with Fra Alberergo, an individual that Dante refuses to relieve of his frozen tears, but who informs Dante that the soul who shares his hole in hell is Branca di Oria. Dante responds that, you're fooling me, for Branca di Oria is not dead. He eats and drinks and sleeps and puts on clothes. Alberigo claims that the moment when a soul betrays as I did, its body is taken by a devil, who has it then in his control until the time allotted has run. The soul falls headlong to the cesspool. This moment challenges fundamental preconceptions about forgiveness of sins and about the ability of an individual to redress their failings on earth. This moment provides us with elements to consider, but the poem pushes on to greater depths of torture as we meet Satan and the three sinners trapped for eternity in his mouth. One thing we should do when reading this poem is to resist that forward progress, allowing ourselves to pause, to stop, and to consider what each canto is offering us. Sometimes we might want to push through to get to that end, to see the final frozen image of hell. But we might miss the cost of sin and the challenges to Christian faith that Dante can be offering us. We might see sympathy, but not recognize to whom it is being directed. These final cantos of L'Inferno are slowed by ice, and we should slow our readings to remember what is being constructed for us. By placing these individuals within ice, by having the souls flown straight to hell despite not yet having died, the poem firmly establishes its value in this constructed landscape. Order. And Dante argues through this place that justice is order, and the crimes on earth will be meted out by divine justice, sometimes sooner than later. Thank you for reading Dante's Divine Comedy with us. Continue the journey at 100daysofdante.com. 100 Days of Dante is brought to you by the Baylor University Honors College with support from the Torrey Honors College at Biola University, the Templeton Honors College at Eastern University, the University of Dallas, Whitworth University, and Gonzaga University in Florence.